Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm your host for today, Matt Addison. Theo Squires and Tom Cavilla are both with me in the Liverpool Echo office. We're going to have a little bit of a chat around a couple of the bits that have happened this week. The fixtures have been released only a few days after the Champions League final. We're already counting down to the start of next season. We'll have a little bit of a chat about the players that have been released, the new contracts that have been offered as well at Liverpool. And then probably the majority of the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about what the rest of the this summer looks like for Liverpool in the transfer market. As I say, the countdown to the new season is on. The fixtures have, have come out. It's uh, always an exciting part of the season. I have to say, I wasn't looking forward to it quite as much as I sometimes am when there's a bit more of a break. It kind of feels like we've gone from one season straight into the next. But uh, yeah, Chelsea away to start with. The countdown is on. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting one when you have Chelsea away as that first game, isn't it? Like Historically... That's one of the last teams you want. It's one of the last places you want to go. It hasn't been a happy hunting ground for Liverpool um, in the Premier League era. But it's this Chelsea side where they're even worse than Liverpool. As hard as that was to be last year, you know they're going to have so many debutants on the, the opening day. It's a new manager under Pochettino. It, it could be the perfect time to play them. Yeah. And it's a chance for Liverpool to send out a statement as well. Because as poor as Chelsea were last year, if Liverpool go to Stamford Bridge and win... So oh, we're back, boys. We can we can actually compete now this season. Um, it's still part of a difficult start. Like Bournemouth at home, it's the second game, isn't it? Like that one, you're quite confident with. But then you're Newcastle away, third up. It's like you could be having a, a pretty painful start here. But that's what they had last year. So it's important for Liverpool to actually get back to beating the big boys, beating the little boys, and being in title contention. But then if they can do that, it's going to give them confidence. And we know whilst we're going straight into this new season with the fixtures days after the Champions League final still a month off before they're back for pre-season they're going to have a full summer break you'd like to think that a few more players will have come in through the door along with McAllister before that uh, early July return point plenty of friendlies lined up let's be confident Liverpool can be in a good place after dismantling Pochettino's broken Chelsea on the opening day yeah I do really get the feeling Tom that Chelsea in the first game probably not a bad time to play them it is obviously going to be Pochettino's first home game but I mean, they made so many changes. They're going to make loads more changes. They were so bad last season. If they're going to get good in this next season, it's probably not going to be on day one. Well, hopefully not, yeah. But I think someone made a good point yesterday of saying Liverpool didn't actually beat Chelsea last season True. as bad as they were, which was a bit worrying. They haven't scored against them yeah, the nil, nil, four games. Both, I think four, all four have been nil-nil the last four games yeah. against yeah. Chelsea. You've got the two cup finals where you've yeah. got the two extra time periods as well. So that's Yeah, that's a bit of a crazy stat really I mean when you think about it um, considering how bad Chelsea being you know teams went to Stamford Bridge and absolutely outplayed them um, that game against Chelsea was probably the, one of the worst games of the season at Chelsea I say which one <laughs> the one at well. Chelsea was a really <laughs> bad game um, just no quality from either team that game and 
Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think when Liverpool go there, by the time the new season comes around, it won't be looking like that. You know, Liverpool are going to be a bit more confident. I think that was the game just before Liverpool went on that run of wins. Uh, Trent dropped that game, and I think it was the next game. He then came in in that new role, and then everything changed. So, it was also the game where Curtis Jones came in yeah. to start eleven. Yeah. So once, obviously, with Trent, if Trent's back in that role next season, you know, we like to think we would be seeing the form we saw at the back end of last season straight away. Chelsea is just a bit unpredictable. We don't know who they're going to have there. On paper, you'd think Liverpool can beat them there. It just depends who... I mean, regardless of who they sign, to be honest, I don't think they're a threat next season. I think they've got too much going on, too many... Too many background problems, too much... I think United have probably got... Better, much better chance of being at the top than Chelsea. I, st- I just still think they're not balanced. They haven't got enough balance. It feels like it can go one or two ways, I think, for me. They could either be brilliant and it all pays off, or it could be another yeah. absolute catastrophe for, catastrophe for them. But, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. The, the other thing I was going to mention in terms of, of the fixtures, I mean, there's a couple of periods where I think Liverpool play United and then Arsenal back-to-back, but... I mean, Tom mentioned there that the Chelsea game that was in the middle of Manchester City, Chelsea, and another game wasn't it? A Arsenal. big one, Arsenal. There's no kind of horror runs, I would say, in terms of, of the fixture list. It seems quite spread out. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Just um, from what I can remember from memory here, <laughs> it's like one where you look at the fixture list, you take in the first two or three. You look for when you play Everton and United, and you forget it instantly. You look for when you play City, last game of the season you forget well. it instantly. And then last day game of the season, as you say, Wolves. So I think we can all say Liverpool will lose the title by a point <laughs> yeah. on the final day of the season, because <laughs> yeah. that's what's happened the last couple of times. It's been Wolves on the final day, but yeah, it, it's been kinder than it has been for other sides. Like I think away fixtures, the first few are quite tricky, aren't they? And as the away form was so poor for Liverpool last year, that's another chance for them to put it right this year but then there's so many points you can look to last season it's quite nice but I'm saying last season now it is in the history books we can forget about it where it all broke down there were so many low points rock bottoms where you think it's not going to get any worse and then it did <laughs> and then it's oh no this is just the situation we're in this year you'd like to think that Liverpool won't have freakish away form they won't be losing to they definitely won't be losing to a Leeds United at home but they're not going to be losing to those sorts of teams at home they're not going to be losing to Bournemouth away when it's a game that if they win they're in the top four like you like to think we're back to Liverpool basics midfield's got a bit more life in it McAllister first of a few signings and but then at the same time when these games do come and you've got United and Arsenal back to back what a chance to send out a statement like if you can put points in there and build the momentum as Liverpool have done historically they just didn't last year then everyone's going to fear you and it's just what Liverpool are we getting next season is it a Liverpool that will compete with Man City for the Premier League title uh, going all the way in the Europa League maybe going to go in one of the domestic cups or are we going to have to lower the expectations slightly this year was well, last year wasn't as much of a freak result and it's just get back in that top four yeah, I think top four has got to be the uh, the minimum aim, hasn't it? And obviously the Europa League will play into it as well. We don't quite know what those fixtures are going to be. We do know when they're going to be, but obviously we don't know home and away and, and the quality of, of the teams and, and all of that sort of thing. So still plenty to think about in terms of the fixtures, still plenty of time for, for Liverpool to do transfer business as well. But before we talk about that, Tom, the uh, released list, the, the contracts and all of that sort of thing, there's a lot of, of academy players, as there is every season, that have been let go. Adrian, though, is to stay day it looks like he's certainly been offered a contract I suspect that he will be at Liverpool next season and again that's just another one that obviously it's official now but it, it kind of makes sense and, and it, it's what we were expecting 
Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of talk about whether he would you know, leave this summer and Liverpool might look to... I think they were linked with Zeeler a little bit, German goalkeeper. Um, it probably makes sense, really, for all, all concerned. I mean, we've seen Adrian maybe a bit more than people expected in the last few years, mainly due to injuries to Alisson, which were quite unlucky. Remember that... Um, Norwich one we just sort of slipped over didn't he it was a bit out of the blue played a lot in that first season yeah, yeah. but I mean Liverpool will want to avoid that scenario because obviously we've seen at times he's a good but, but, um, backup keeper but he's not someone you'd want to be calling upon you know for a, a row of matches so as long as it was just for you know rotation in the cups that kind of thing I think it's fine we don't know what's going to happen with Kelleher obviously he's obviously more than good enough to fill in for Alisson and that's that's what I'm quite interested to see in terms of what happens with him because we're seeing he keeps being linked to other teams but Klopp's come out and said a few times they don't want him to go just just interested to know what Keller sort of thinks you know is he happy to stick around and you know be on the bench for most of the season again or you know if you were him you'd probably want to be playing each week but you know being at a club like Liverpool as well it's you know not every keeper gets that chance so I'm sure Adrian is happy to stay in and do that role, but whether Keller is, we'll have to wait and see. But I'd like to see him stay, Keller. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all in, in that position in terms of, of the goalkeepers. But let's move on to the rest of, of the summer and some of the more interesting things. We saw Ibrahim Akonate come out this week, Theo, and say that he's looking forward to, to new signings and, and fresh blood. I think a few people on social media kind of took that to be a, a little bit of a dig almost or a, a kind of prompt. It, it's, it's not really anything new, is it? It's, it's pretty obvious that Liverpool had to make signings. They have made one already, which shouldn't be forgotten, and they are going to make more signings as well. So... I mean, he is right, but also maybe it's it's been talking the wrong way by a few people, uh, almost half deliberately, I might suggest. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Like, I think if you ask any player in that Liverpool squad about signings, they're going to be excited and want players to come in, and they know players are going to have to come in. Like they've lost, was it four or five senior players from the the free agents, and then if we include Artemelo, which we probably shouldn't, but <laughs> he was a senior player. Four then. Yeah, <laughs> and then like, as Tom says, like Keller could easily go if he wants to. It's like, if he he's either starting every week in the Europa League, having the domestic cups, giving it another go, or he's going to. Uh, there's so many teams that could sign him in. There's like the Tottenham, Brentford, Celtic. I'm sure I'm at Brighton. Yeah, like there's so many clubs that are looking for goalkeepers, so that could go either way. And then you look at other players. Like, I think was it Gorsty's done the piece today. I think Nat Phillips, Reese Williams. Uh, Fabio Carvalho probably he's going to go there's going to be vacancies in the squad they've got to be filled like, granted these are fringe players but they have lost four pretty prominent players in the first team squad we might not have seen much of Cater and Oxlade Chamberlain this year but last year and years before they have been prominent roles and we know McAllister's going to be just the first of many it's where they go from here Like, is it two midfielders is it three midfielders uh, the, the club are saying that they don't want a right back so I think we can assume that means Trent is not going to make the full switch into midfield. It'll be him at right back in the traditional setup, or as the inverted full back, and then it's just midfielders that, that complement that with McAllister. Um, I know we'll be doing a special podcast on it next week with the, the under twenty ones Euros, but there are a number of players in that tournament who Liverpool being linked with, who they, they like the look of, who could come in and to fill up one of those midfield vacancies. You still got Curtis Jones there, still got Harvey Elliott there, Thiago's still got a year left on his contract. Henderson might play a bit less next year but he's still there you're looking at Fabinho um, 
found a little bit of form towards the end of the season. Maybe can't write them off fully just yet. The only thing we, I think we can say with confidence is they're probably not going to sign a forward because they've got five quality options there. Even when Salah goes off to the AFCON, you can put Elliot on the right. You can, ben Doak's coming through the academy ranks. Klopp himself said the only thing they don't want is a goalkeeper and that, that could easily change if Kelleher goes. But yeah, we expect a, a busy summer a few more transfers. A left-sided centre-back, that's one I've forgotten to mention. That's something they're in the market for as well. So, um, well, McAllister was done a couple of weeks after the, the, the season finished. The window only opened this week, wasn't it? Wednesday. Couple, Wednesday, yeah. a couple of days ago. Um, how many other clubs have actually made, out of the big six, big seven, have made these big major signings? Like Newcastle brought in it. Was it a young striker or something? Was it last week? A Gambian... Yeah, yeah, he's not going to be like that starting player as McAllister is for Liverpool but it's still plenty of time for all these transfers to unfold and then Liverpool probably have it done by mid-July whereas everyone else is still scrambling around come transfer deadline day in August The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, one of the other things that happened this week was Declan Rice, a bid has, has gone in for him, Tom. It, it looks like he's going to cost at least £100 million, which when you think of how much Alexis McAllister reportedly cost Liverpool, I mean, that puts it even into more perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it does, because I don't, uh, although Rice is a very good player, I don't see him being that £100 million player. I think Fair enough paying it for Jude Bellion because I think he's going to be someone for the next 10 years who's just going to dominate football. Could go the other way, but I think it, he he will be that player. With Declan Rice, I'm not as sure he's as good or I can reach that sort of level. He's a good player, but I think he's already 24, so he's already five years older than Bellion. And, you know, they're both sort of spoken about the same kind of level, but the fact that Bellion's already doing that in Champions League at Dortmund at 19 I just think he's got a higher ceiling than Declan Rice and um, well I think he would be a good signing for Arsenal but I just don't think he's that kind of £100 million mark so yeah the fact that he's going for that you know McAllister should have been you know easily 50-60 million but obviously the way the clause in the Brighton contract worked out that went in Liverpool's favour and yeah it's a, it's a really good Really good fee. I imagine we're going to see a lot of uh, extortionate fees this summer for players, just based on sort of the early figures that are going around. You know, for Rice and other players, I think the the main way teams are going to get the bargains is sort of getting the relegated players. We're seeing Spurs, I think, have been linked with Ward Prowse and um, Madison, Madison and Barnes. That was it. So the only way you're really going to get a discount or you know a lower price is going for one of those players. I think everyone else is going to be sort of 50 million upwards unless you can, you know, get some sort of special deal like Liverpool did where there's a clause that allows it. Um, but yeah, the the Rice deal is a bit crazy, to be honest. I think Rice is a, a really good player, Theo. And to be honest, if he wasn't 100 million, if he was maybe half that, I'd suspect that Liverpool maybe could have been interested in him. But 
I mean, him, Bellingham, this week has, has made his move to, to Real Madrid. Obviously, we knew that that was going to happen, but that's kind of official at this point. It, it does feel like Liverpool are having to look for better value, but they seem to have found it. Yeah, we always knew that was going to be the case. Like Liverpool withdrew from the race for Bellingham in April, but then watching his unveiling yesterday, it sounded like his mind's been made up for a while, that it was going to be yeah. Real Madrid. They gave him goosebumps, best club in the world, all that jazz. Now, obviously, he's not going to come out and say, wish I was at Liverpool, <laughs> wish I was at Man City. But it did sound like that was the move that always excited him. So maybe Liverpool just pulled out the, the race first. Uh, before he publicly rejected him, that sort of vibe. You can understand that, can't you? You can accept yeah, that. Yeah, you can know. understand that. But then you you throw in no Champions League money as well, and it's like Liverpool know they have to bring in two or three midfielders this summer. They could have financially maybe gone for the big one, the big marquee signing, like they did last year with the forwards, with Darwin, Nunes. Or you can be a bit shrewder with what you bring in. Like the players we're talking about here, like Rice is going to go for over 100, as you've said. Uh, Caicedo's going to cost 80 million plus from the sounds of it uh, Barella 50 million for Inter, from Inter to Newcastle I'm uh, sure that'll be more, that'll be more yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mason Mount they rejected the opening bid of 40 Chelsea wants 60, 70 you get McAllister when he was under contract he's not expiring I think he's younger than majority. he's not younger than Caicedo but he's younger than most of these players and he's won the World Cup that's just this bargain fee for Liverpool they've done so well to sniff that out we know he was a target before the World Cup so that that's fair play recruiting team pat yourselves on the back you've done your job there but he gives Liverpool more to spend with these these other players and um, we'll just wait and see I think Jerome's the one if you listen to the speculations that the leading target at the moment but then Gabri Vega might have potentially leapfrog that one at the moment it's just so much speculation and rumours and that's what you expect when Liverpool are going to sign two or three midfielders in a summer Agents are obviously going to be spouting the mouths off, uh, going to the media, and there is going to be all these rumours. That's why Canate was asked about Tram in the first place. The same as Bellingham at his unveiling was asked about Harry Kane and Kylian Mbappe. There's nothing new here, nothing different. Um, but Liverpool just sounding out the options. Like they got the best deal possible from McAllister because of that release clause. They'll have all these targets on the long list. They'll see who costs what, what wages they'll want, what their, their platform is, what the, like, the, the vacuum is for them ceiling-wise. And then uh, just go from there. There's lots of talent on that list. We'll, we'll see you actually is in the Liverpool squad come August. I think if Newcastle are going for Barella, Tom, that would be the one that I think I would be looking at. I cannot, cannot for the life of me say it's going to be 50. It's probably closer to, to 70, 75, something like that. But even at that price, I think that would be one that I would certainly be tempted by. Yeah, it's a bit of a surprise to see that, to be honest. Um, you know, I think we we're all expecting Newcastle to come out with these big signings, and they've kind of gone about it quite slowly. And who they brought in, it's not been, you know, all out going for it straight away. But if they were to get someone like that, you know, just been in the Champions League final, you know, that's quite a statement signing from them. And I think once you get the first one in, like him, a lot of others would then follow. So that's slight concern for Liverpool and other teams. If they were to get someone like Barella, um. I think fifty million was the opening offer that's been reported, and it's from what I was reading, that Inter are not happy with that, and you know, going to demand more, obviously, which you probably would if you were Inter. Um, but yeah, if Liverpool, Liverpool obviously been linked to him as well, and if it was available for that kind of price, fifty, sixty million, yeah, it's definitely someone they should be looking at. Um, still twenty six. Yeah, twenty six. So you know. 
still a good age. I think it's someone, yeah, someone Liverpool should be looking at, but I think there'll probably be a few other teams looking at him as well. I can't imagine it would just be Newcastle having a free hit at him. So if he's available and there's a deal that can be done, yeah, it's definitely someone to look at. But the fact that Newcastle are being linked to him in the first place is just a bit... Um, doesn't really sit right, but we'll see what happens with that one. I don't mind if Liverpool miss out on Barilla. I know that's going to sound controversial because we know he's a player that Jurgen Klopp loves, Pep Linders loves, and there's been all this praise from him. But the speculation has probably come from that praise in the first place. Like The guys at Liverpool have praised Ollie Watkins, Patrick Bamford in the past. Like Firmino's just gone. Are they going to sign Bamford from Leeds United because they've gone down? No, they're not. Like, they're wouldn't just, mind Watkins. <laughs> Watkins would be all right, but they don't necessarily need him as well. Like Barella is a good player, but it's clear they're looking at a different profile at the moment. They've got McAllister because they needed a player who was out there that just entering the peak years now because that's what they desperately missed last year. Now they want those younger ones, so it's the next play generation in midfield. Someone you put in with a Curtis Jones, the Harvey Elliotts. Like Barella, 26, yeah, peak of his powers, but he's never played in the Premier League before. Doesn't mean he can't do it, and there have been some great Italian players that have played in England, but there have also been a hell of a lot of Italian players that haven't worked well in England. And Liverpool have been on the receiving end of that a couple of times themselves. And with Barella as well, as much as there's been the speculation linking with them, Liverpool, there were always the corresponding reports saying he doesn't want to leave Italy. Inter Milan don't want to sell, and they're only going to sell if they have to because the offer's ridiculous and they need the money. So for Newcastle to be in this conversation and for it to actually look like it could happen, it's clear he's getting a hell of a wage. For them, the representatives say, oh yeah, something can happen here. They're making him their best played player and he is going to be that first marquee signing. That's not happening at Liverpool. Like, he'd just be one of a number. Like Liverpool don't want that marquee signing. That's why part of the reason why they stepped away from Bellingham. They want to build this new midfield to complement what they've already got. And while he is a very good player, he's got his admirers, he could be a very good Premier League footballer, just doesn't quite fit what Liverpool need this summer, in my opinion. Disagree slightly in terms of, of where he fits. I think Liverpool do need someone to maybe play that right-sided attacking role, the position that Henderson has, has been yeah, in. McAllister but, could do that. I mean, McAllister can do that. You've like, got Harvey Elliott to think about as well. We've still got Thiago there in that midfield as well. They've got so many midfielders yeah. still. The only issue with the midfield last year was they were either out of form, injury-prone, old, out of contract, or just young and raw. So it's like, well, you put McAllister in there, that's one player who's at the peak of his powers, and he could easily play... Say it's the inverted system. You put him next to Trent. If you're playing a really like, team that's just going to defend behind the ball at Anfield, you could put him in as the Fabinho role as the number six alongside Trent. You could put him on the left, you could put him on the right. You can do all those roles, which is one of the reasons why Liverpool have got him. Jones can do a couple of them. Elliot can do a couple of them. Thiago can go on the left. Henderson can go on the right. Um, probably missing a couple of midfielders here. Vesetic is coming back from injury. They've got so many midfield options still, and what they still need another couple more to go around there. It's like if you've got all of them players fit, you're saying your three is probably Thiago, Fabinho, McAllister. Like, yeah, you could go and get a Barella in as well, but you can see why the name next list of players is the younger ones who aren't immediately going into that starting eleven. But two years down the line, when Thiago's left on a free transfer, Fabinho is the wrong side of thirty. Then they're your Liverpool starters. Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? It does seem like the majority of the links have been kind of that next mm-hmm. tier down. You think of, of Turam and Kone, even someone like Ravenberg, I think has got a high ceiling, but hasn't necessarily played at, at the highest level that often. I mean, who of that sort of second list after Barella would you be looking at, Tom? 
I think Graham Birch is a quite a good option. Um, it's gone a bit quiet with him in recent weeks, but um, I've saw saw a little bit of him at Ajax. Quite like the look of him there. It hasn't quite worked out for him at Bayern, obviously so far. But I think he's still a player who's got potential. He's not played much last season um, under Nagelsmann, so with Tuchel there now we don't know you know how that's quite going to work next season I think he played in the last game of the season started that game which they obviously won big title decider so I think that's quite a good sign for him in terms of maybe next season playing a bit more but um, just being linked with so many names at the minute but from, from all the ones that are kind of being linked to he's one of the ones that stands out a bit more um, I think he could work in the Premier League I think he was linked to Arsenal for quite a while as well while he was at Ajax so He's had other Premier League teams sort of sniffing around for him as well. I'd be interested to see how he how he would do if he was available for a, you know a decent fee. You wouldn't want to be paying over thirty million for him. If you can get him for that sort of that kind of price, I think it'd be worth a gamble. Um, even if he didn't work up because of the age, I think you could still get a decent fee back for him if they were to sell him and it didn't work out. So I think I would go for him just because he's got a little bit more experience of being at bigger clubs, you know, Ajax and Bayern, as opposed to going for someone like Gabri Vega, who's just been at Celta Vigo coming through. He could be good as well, but, you know, it's you're taking a bit of a risk with someone like that, a bit more of a risk, I guess. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, we'll talk more about this on, on Monday's podcast, but the, the under-21 Euros is, is an interesting element to all of this. It starts next week. You'd imagine that certainly the international managers, if not the players themselves, would rather not have transfer speculation and sort of things going on during that tournament, even sort of things like medicals, if these were to get a little bit further developed. But that kind of feels like there's there's an opportunity for Liverpool to look at one or two players there not that you'd make your decision off the back of that but <laughs> it does sort of give the opportunity to, to shine a bit of a spotlight on these players Yeah it does and Doyley's done a piece saying you're looking at these players and this is where the next Liverpool signing is going to come from you can throw the centre-backs in there as well because Levy Colwell's going to be playing and uh, Mickey van der Ven who I think been the two left centre-back have been linked most at the moment but it's it's a strange one in the terms of we know Liverpool want the business done early they want it done before pre-season I think the final of the tournament is the day that Liverpool are back for pre-season it's pretty much the same day if it's a couple of days apart so if Liverpool are going to go for a player who's playing in the under-21s you've got to get done in the next three or four days which speculation-wise doesn't seem to be happening like they could just come out of nowhere accelerate negotiations over the weekend and get it done early or you're going to have to wait until their commitments in the tournament are done like you say the international managers and the players want, want the distractions themselves um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see Like obviously talks are going on behind the scenes with the, the representatives whether that's gone into full-blown transfer negotiations offers and yet we shall see but as we've been saying for a number of months now this Liverpool long list is longer than normal because they didn't know whether they're going to be Champions League wise they didn't know how much they have to spend who would be leaving necessarily and we haven't actually seen any major major departures yet you can throw in Leighton Clarkson but how much is he really going to have brought in we haven't seen any first team players depart yet so there's many plates still spinning and just because uh, we've had the Champions League final at the weekend the fixtures out now and then uh, an international tournament coming next week it's still a good few weeks left before everything has to really be in order. 
Just to finish off then, let's talk a little bit about the defence. Theo mentioned before, it seems more likely that to, they'd look at a left-sided rather than a right-sided defender. But I think a centre-back that can play full-back is definitely high up on my priority list this summer. What about you? In terms of defenders or...? Just in, in terms of, yeah, not in terms of, of names, but is that something that you think Liverpool need to, to do this summer? Yeah, I mean, potentially. Uh, if you take away, you know, Matip, I think he's a good option. But like you said, he's had too many... He has a lot of injury problems in the past, hasn't he? So he's not always someone you can count upon. Canate now looks like he's ready to sort of step up and be, you know, Van Dijk's permanent partner going forward. Gomez, you know, he's had his injury issues as well, but can play well if needed. I guess you'd probably would need someone as a backup, maybe, or, or sort of to step ahead of them in the pecking order just because of their injury record. That's the only concern I would have. I think they're both fine options, like, on the day. It's just if they're available, when, and with Matip especially, it hasn't always been the case. Gomez has been a bit more unlucky, obviously, with longer-term injuries. But, yeah, if you were going to sign someone, centre-back could be an option. I... I I potentially would have gone for a right back. I know Liverpool are saying that's something they're not really looking at, but I just don't think there's much cover there now. I know Milner sometimes stepped in there, that option's gone. Gomez can sometimes slot in. Calvin Ramsey's gone on loan. Uh, we're getting Connor Bradley back, who could be an option there next season, but I, I would just like to have a bit more cover in that position out of all of them. I think on the left back, obviously, you've got Simicass, uh, who can do a job. Um, and Robertson obviously but the right back position just concerns me if Trent was to get injured what what's the plan then what what would they do that's the yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm worried about I guess the plan would be Gomez but then that brings you back to a centre-back conversation and obviously the difference between Joe Gomez and Trent is very different yeah. stylistically in terms of, of what you want to, to do as well so yeah left side of defenders then what, what do you reckon yeah I, I can see the sense in it because um like, it's all come from the links to Benjamin Pavard last week, last weekend. That's when people saw the sense in signing someone like that because he can play right centre-back, right back and fit into the new formation, but he's also that alternative to Trent. But at the same time, you look at his age and his profile. Whilst he fits, he also doesn't fit. And the, the club came out with the same... Um, they, don't, they don't want a right back. They're quite happy with what they've got there. And while you could break that down and say... Pavard could be seen as a centre-back it later emerged that this left centre-back is the priority and that breaks up into a couple of things firstly probably means if they're sticking with the inverted full-back you want that option to go with the left-sided centre-back who isn't Andy Robertson because you look at Arsenal Man City when you've got Zinchenko inverted or John Stones inverted it's along with a Ben White or a Nathan Ake you know actual centre-backs not a bit shorter full-back who wants to bomb forward and he's still adjusting to it. I'm not saying Robertson's going to be completely left out in the cold if they get this sort of player. And there are going to be lots of games where he can play and still do that role, or they'll go to the traditional formation. But if you're going to, say, Man City at the Etihad, you might want that more defensive option, someone who's more of a centre-back, and it gives them that option there. It's also the long-term replacement for Virgil van Dijk. Like Liverpool, for the past 18 months, have been revamping the attack. They've got in Gakpo, Nunes, Diaz... Done a pretty good job. It seems impossible to replace Firmino and Mane, and we can all say they've done that quite successfully. Uh, this summer, it's the midfield. We know two, three players build a new midfield, go from there. The next one is the defence, and 
Trent, you've got him for 10 years, he's fine. You don't need to worry about right-backs. That's why they go for the younger players like Bradley, Ramsey, uh, centre-backs. Matic will move on at some point, so this left centre-back covers for that. Canate's sorted, you're not giving up on Van Dijk yet, but you still want that long-term successor to him. And if it's a left-sided centre-back who can play left-back, it means you can maybe afford to let Simicas go, or you've got someone beyond Robertson. It gives Liverpool these options. Like They don't have the money of a Man City or a Newcastle. They can't go, in a dream world, we want a goalkeeper, a right-back, a centre-back, uh, three midfielders and a forward. They have to choose what is the priorities, and the priorities are the midfield, then the left-sided centre-back, and if you have to sign a goalkeeper, then you go for the goalkeeper. And as you're saying, Trent, if he gets injured, maybe you're a little bit stuck up right-back. Maybe you then tweak it slightly. Like you put Joe Gomez, then you switch it. So he could be the right-back, but he's then in the, the defensive three. Robertson, while you're not going to say he's going to go in and be a central midfielder, he can bomb forward still. And it just depends what type of centre-back they actually do bring in if they get someone. Like if it's someone who's really good on the ball, maybe they can do the John Stones role and be that inverted option. But then it also goes along with what happens midfield-wise, because I think Klopp said himself, whether we stick with inverted uh, full-back depends on who we actually sign in midfield. But the fact that we can't nail it down yet, which is obviously going to be a hard task, but not seeing who they've actually brought in yet, it's a good thing because it means they've got so many options and there's a bit more strength in there rather than we've got so many injuries, we've just got to play this 11 every week. Like Bradley is one to watch. Like he had a very good season on loan at Bolton, um, whereas Ramsey couldn't have been on the European squad unless they registered him. He's been at the club long enough to be on list B, so they don't need to register him. He doesn't take up a space, and you'd imagine he's going to get a few European games. So at the very least, his value is going up this season. Playing in the Cups, playing in Europe, getting the odd Premier League appearance, see if he can make that step up from League One to Premier League. Might be a, a bit of a little stretch, but yeah, Liverpool being quite confident having these younger players as backups to train alongside a Milner or a Gomez. I reckon for now they're okay there. In a couple of years, maybe that is something they need to look at. At the moment, you're picking your fat battles, you're, bound, you're spinning the plates, they're doing what they need to do. Yeah, I think Levi Cowell that you mentioned before, I think he would be the dream option for me, but whether Chelsea would let him leave, I'm not too sure. But It's an interesting on that one though, isn't it? Because Chelsea, a bit messed up with FFP, shall we say. And the best way to get around that is selling your homegrown players. So that's one of the reasons why Mount's going. It's one of the reasons why Gallagher's probably going to go. Uh, you can throw in Hudson Doy there. And is it the deadline's the end of the month, isn't it? So, yes, two weeks, yeah. two weeks left. So as much as they're saying, say, 70 million for Mason Mount, if they've not agreed 70 million by the end of the month, that is dropping. And someone's getting them up for less. While they might be rejecting 30 million for Levy Cole now from Brighton, if they're in a bit more of a, a desperate situation come the end of the month, it's probably going to have to happen. Like They've still got a lot of uh, hypergrown players, like I've mentioned a few there. Shalaba's another one. There is no suggestion there. Loftus-Cheek Loftus Loftus yeah. exactly. So they've got a lot of players here they can offload like to. they're going to get about 60 or 70 for Kai Havertz as well. Obviously not homegrown, but does yeah, come into so, the FFP um, things. This doesn't mean that they will be getting rid of Levy Colwell, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on in the next fortnight. But then he's at the under-21 as well, so we'll see if it can actually happen quickly. Yes, exactly. Still plenty of plates spinning for Liverpool. Still plenty of updates, I'm sure, across the rest of the summer. We'll keep you updated right here at the Liverpool Echo and Liverpool.com as well. But for now, we shall leave it there. We'll catch you on Monday. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.